2: It's seven minutes after eight. Good morning, if you've just tuned in. Welcome to the Forum at 8 part of AM Live. And, uh, well, we've got a very interesting one. And I'm glad to see the enthusiasm already uh, from those who've started tweeting and uh, sending messages on SMS. 34701 is our SMS line number. Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. Continue using the hashtag AM Live. Um, and then uh, we are this morning talking about why it is that authorities just don't seem to listen until such time that there is fire. Now, in less than three months, South Africa will vote in the 2016 local government elections. However, in the build-up to the vote, we've seen a number of community protests across the country. And according to local government data intelligence organization, Municipal IQ uh, 2016 is set to be a record year for protest action. The organization says that this year has seen 70 protests already compared to a total of 164 for 2015 and 191 for 2014, which is the current record. Commentators also say that the protests are an indication that people are growing impatient and that they are calling for government to take their demands seriously. But why does it have to be fire that calls uh, people's attention and causes them to listen? So uh, we are going to speak to uh, Minister Des Van Royen, Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs just as soon as uh, he lands. We believe he was flying earlier. But we have in studio with us uh, Koketsu Mueti, a uh, local government action group's national coordinator. Thanks for coming through once again.
0: Thank you, Sakina.
2: And uh, we also have on the line uh, Nomfundo muhapi who is um, executive director at the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation. Thanks for speaking to us, uh, Nomfundo.
3: Hi, morning, Sakina. Thanks for having me, and morning to the listeners.
2: And um, as I said, uh, Minister Des Van Royen will join the conversation as soon as he's ready to do so. But let me just start by asking... With the wave of protests that we are seeing, Municipal IQ uh, predicting that, you know, we are set to look at a record number of protests for the year 2016, which bucks a trend where normally during an election year, we see, um, you know, a downward um, spiral in terms of protest action. But this year, there's nothing of the kind happening and yet it is an election year. So... It may seem like, you know, um a mundane question but w- why are our townships burning? What is going on, Koketso? <laughs>
0: There's a factor of things going on, right? I think one of the things about elections is you have communities which are already not getting services, you know, under service and all of these things. But then you also have the internal party politics that are coming to the fore, you know, where individuals are competing, where BGMs are happening, where councillor candidates are going to be selected. And those also do have an an influence on what's going on, you know.
2: And then, of course, uh, the question is, why does it have to be violent? Why does there have to be looting? Why do authorities seem to need the smoke to call them to what is wrong in our communities, Nomfundo?
3: Yeah, Shakina, um, as you said, that's exactly what CFR found in this research. We called the smoke that calls that community fault that violence is the only language that those in leadership listen to. Now, there's a number of things that happen during this um, violent service delivery, and it's important to really say that not all service delivery is violent, but in instances when it becomes violence, one of the things is that I think just what Kukiso was saying is that people have genuine concerns, but they are really getting frustrated that those have not been met. This would have been... Um, years of them trying to solve the issues, um, peacefully engaging with leadership, and them feeling that the things um, are not working out anymore. Then the second thing that we see is, is what we call opportunistic elements. So we call them in our research your political entrepreneurs, economic entrepreneurs, and criminal elements. And what we found during the violent service delivery is that the crowds, um, almost change as the, as the the protest grows, so initially you'll have a crowd that is genuinely concerned, and then the the opportunists or these entrepreneurs will then also come and take advantage and they are the ones who would usually be um, fueling the violence. Now, what is important for us um in relation to uh, the prevention of violence? is that these opportunists and entrepreneurs will always be there, right? And as um, um, the elections are coming closer, you are likely to see these people emerging more because there is a very strong interface between politics and economics in the communities that we work in. But they will only get power if communities feel that the leadership is not hearing them. So some community members said to us that we know these people are using us, we know that they are using us towards their economic or political agendas, but we we are allowing it because we feel that this is the only way in which our leadership can hear us. So we need to find ways of how leadership can really move beyond these people and listen to the people on the ground around their genuine concerns.
0: Would you say that this points to a leadership vacuum um, in some way, Koketsa? Yes. And also just, um, the idea of meaningful engagement, you know? Um, she spoke about this long, the sustained period of attempts to engage. And when people don't get that response back, people do take it further. Malamulele is a very good example of this. The Malamulele boundary situation has been going on. It's been over ten, a 10 year period, you know? But it was only when they shut down the schools. That we saw everybody now suddenly responding to this issue, I mean within two a day or two of them shutting down the schools, there was a mass response, so it it 's reinforced that this is the way to go, this is the way to go, and the tricky part is when you when it moves on with schools and you reinforce the idea that touch the schools this is you 're also going to see it spread, but you can 't talk about one of the tricky things about violence and service delivery protests is that, like she said, not all service delivery protests are violent, but the violent ones often get highlighted as well. So sometimes, actually, if you want your protests covered, that's the route you have to go because when you're engaging, nobody cares about you engaging, you know? So it's incentivized not only by leadership, even how it's covered. And then there's, you can't take the violence out of context. The violence doesn't happen in a vacuum. So people would argue that, oh, these people responded so violently violently, without acknowledging the violence these people live on a, on a day-to-day basis. Structural violence is violence.
2: Mm. And let's hear from uh, Minister of uh, Cooperative uh, Governance, uh, Minister Des Van a uh, uh, Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, joins us on the line now. Uh, Minister, thanks so much for your time this morning.
4: Thank you. A uh, very good morning and a good morning also to your listeners and your people that uh, your panelists there. Eh?
2: Mm. Minister, since uh, uh, the beginning of the year, we've already seen uh, 70 protests uh, recorded uh, by Municipal IQ. And um, as they indicate, uh, this could uh, really point to a record number of protests that we are due to see for this year. And we hope that they are wrong. But uh, the question of course is, how are these protests impacting on the legitimacy of government? Because people seem to be frustrated and this seems to be an indication of a growing impatience on the ground uh, where people actually uh, take to burning and looting.
4: Yes, uh, so thank you for, for the opportunity. As you, as you are aware, of course, uh, there, there are various reasons. The studies are indicating that there are various reasons that are uh, attributed I mean, to, to this uh, uh, protest. And uh, of course, I mean, as, as earlier indicated by some of your your, your panelists there, uh, I mean, uh, it is very clear that uh, in some cases there are uh, pure sense delivery issues, but in some cases there are uh, pure uh, issues of uh, people who are opportunistic, but also people who who fear. Because remember, so, so one one of the things that is taking place this year is that. Uh, uh, because of the demarcation processes, and the municipalities has been amalgamated and leading to a reduction of almost 21 municipalities. So, obviously, people who occupied uh, positions in these, uh, 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 what you call, uh, amalgamated municipalities, there is this fear of the known that people might lose them in their position in the new entities. But also, it is very clear that uh, some of the violence are politically related in nature because. Uh, there are processes of electing new leaders, so as a result there's a lot of contestation there but also if the studies if you go further into these studies, they show that uh, as much as uh, there are these protests that I mean, uh, this doesn't come closer i mean to questioning the legitimacy because if you check in terms of numbers those who are participating in this process as related to the broader i mean population of a given municipality, it doesn't come closer i mean to the uh, questioning the legitimacy of municipalities affected
2: so what does it point to in your view minister sorry what does this point to all these protests that we are seeing and the manner in which people are expressing their frustrations what in your view is that pointing to
4: it points to uh, because i think if you if you look into our performance hitherto since the establishment of our of our system of uh, more especially local government well, there is a lot that has been done, but the real of the matter is that here we are dealing with a backlog of many years. And in most areas where there are these protests, we have definitely made some, my my, my story has made some serious inroads in terms of proving the lives of ordinary people in those constituencies. So it really points to, to a large extent, in my personal take, it points to uh, how do we communicate some of uh, the good performances that we have recorded here to. And I, 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 don't, I don't think our systems of uh, public participation, I mean, are that effective to take our people along all the stages of these processes? And that's an area that I think going forward, we need to improve on. Because at times, lies are pertinent, I mean, to just incite people to participate in this, uh, in, in this protest, you know. At times, really, it's just a matter of maybe uh, public representatives not being able, I mean, to communicate clearly some of the performances and the plans that the government is having to improve the lives of our people. But in a national truly speaking, there is a lot that has been done to improve the lives of our people, in, 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 mainly in, in these areas where you are experiencing I and mean, in some protests.
2: But Minister, that, you know, just listening to you, I'm hearing a disconnect because people are not protesting about the things that they are happy about. They're protesting about the things that they are unhappy about. And and, and frankly, they feel that they are not being taken seriously by elected representatives.
4: My, my, my point exactly, sir, uh, 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 my, my host, uh, the of the matter is that uh, if you look into uh, some of these protests, as you have just correctly said, They are happening in areas where we have done a lot and we still need to do a lot. And we are committing through our budget to process that. uh, We've seen uh, uh, the medium-term framework uh, 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 expenditure pattern that we are using currently in our budget to process We are committing to do certain things. But as to how our people are taking along, about our future plans, but also about the challenges that we have in terms of realising some of these things, that's an area where I think we should improve. Because it's not to say... We don't have a plan, I mean, to attend to their concerns. We do have a plan. But also, I think we should be bold enough, I mean, to, to discourage, I mean, uh, the usage of, uh, of violence, I mean, to, for people to register uh, their concerns. Because, truly speaking, I mean, the, the little that we have done, we can afford if that we have achieved is destroyed in the name of uh, service delivery. Because, truly speaking, I mean, we are committed to continue improving. The lives of our people, even in areas where we have done a lot,
0: you know. Kuketa? <laughs> um yeah, the Minister's response is very interesting, you know, um about communicating the good that was done. For people to Put forward their genuine concerns does not mean they don't see other things happening. You know, we cannot discard the lived experience of people based on in broader, in a broader sense, there are some good things that have happened. So this idea of communicating some of the good and the achievements, it sounds to me like a marketing exercise rather than addressing the core issues that people are actually unhappy about. And he talks about some of the limitations within municipalities. There's no doubt. We know there are capacity constraints. We know there are funding issues the constraints within which municipalities operate are very very well documented you know but at the same time how are these being communicated with those who are being affected you know are there plans how do they do the prioritization are people involved in this do you know what i mean Mm. and it points to the whole meaningful engagement thing um yeah
2: Now, sticking to this meaningful engagement, and Nomfunda, Minister Van Ruyen does point out that perhaps there is somewhat of a breakdown in communication or uh, ineffective communication about some of the plans that may be able to address what people are frustrated about. Uh, But, you know, how would you rate that in the broader context, the issue of communication? Because the other question is, if people are being communicated with, why would they then still go on the rampage?
3: Shekina, I mean, communication is one of the key issues. But before I speak to that, I just want to come back to some of the inputs by the minister. One of the challenges that we are finding, Shekina, is this um, problem between the the translation of the political will and the plans, the strategies Um, And even the investment around budget that happens at national government and at um, national leadership, and its inability to touch it down to what Koykeso was speaking about, which is the lived experiences of people. And it's really important to look at that. And I think the other key thing for, 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 for leaders, such as the minister is that sometimes even the way in which they communicate, what is their focus of attention, also determines how people respond to them. Whilst most of the things that he's saying are correct and we agree with them, it seems as if his focus of attention is on the good story and the political entrepreneurs, which is the the discourse that we've been hearing, but not sufficient around really acknowledging that there are frustration on the ground, that people's lived experiences are not matching the ideals of what is being planned at a national level. Some of the things that we think need to be looked at is definitely the whole issue of communication. That's a big issue at a municipal level, how um, municipal leaders uh, explain some of their plans also, at, at times you find that at senior political leadership, there's a lot of promises that are made to people, but sometimes it takes years before those are, are seen um, by people in their own lived experiences, and that is not communicated. The other thing in the past few months that we've been seeing emerging as CSVR is to really look closely to the, in the value chain of government. Because what usually happens is that there's a lot of good blends in place, but because of some of procurement issues, corruption and all of that, sometimes it takes months for people to be able to procure things that would make a difference. So that also needs to be looked at in a lot of details. And, of course, finally, the whole issue of corruption. So what we see in communities is that communities will say, you know, it really... For us, doesn't make sense why certain people are succeeding in our communities and others are not. And the only reason is because they are connected to certain people politically. So there is, yes, the, the, what we are hearing from, from the minister, which makes sense, but what he's saying doesn't translate. There's a lot of other complex dynamics at local level that hinder the ability of all these great plans to be seen in the lived experiences of people.
2: Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation. And we are asking on the Forum at 8 this morning, why do authorities only seem to listen when there is fire, does it really have to get to that point? And uh, Tony says, uh, where's the ministerial task team in Cockstadt? Is government waiting for schools to be burnt?" And you see, that is exactly what we are talking about. And uh, as Koketsa was saying, there seems to be an incentive for people to burn things because it seems to be the only language that gets the authorities running to attend to their problems. And on the forum this morning we are asking why do authorities only seem to listen when there is fire given all the protests that we've seen 70 up till the end of April this year alone so what is going on? It's an election year and usually the trend in an election year we are told is that you will see a decrease in the number of protest, service delivery protests but this year that doesn't seem the case. In fact we seem to be seeing a little more fire in the lead up to the polls what is going on and why is it that authorities only listen to fire. Peter in the Free State, good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you, Fagina?
5: Well, and you? I'm fine. Good morning, Minister. I think uh, I'm calling from the uh, Uh, Sanko. One of the things that uh, I think would, would be much better if we can concentrate the minister was aggravated on the public participation, the improvement of public participation structures. Uh, because it, if it lacks, people think now they are no longer taken uh, care of and they are not listened to. And the other one, which is very important, is that we need to train our councillors not to be aloof, not to be away take time to be away from the communities that they lead. I understand the Minister will be in P- opening Salga there, conference there. It is very much important that uh, we have this structure, we improve very much so so that we prepare the ground for new councillors who are coming in after August
2: Thank you so much, uh, Peter, in the Free State. So, greater public participation. But is this something we should even be talking about? Well, clearly we have to because there is a problem, but you would think that 22 years into our democracy, we would know that it's important that there is greater participation with members of the community, with the broader public, Minister.
4: Yes, uh, of course, that, that, that is uh, just a simplified the. Uh uh, assumption, but the reality of the matter is that the matter is not that uh, straightforward because uh, as you are all aware there are issues that are at play here the level of education of our constituents the level of, uh, of course, those who are the level of uh, uh, capacitation and education of those who come into the system as public representatives we, we, we still have, we need to be very, very realistic here we still have a lot to do I mean, to get some, some of these basics correct, you know. And I think that's why through our uh, back-to-basic program, we have uh, assessed in the, first, in the first year of this program, we have assessed, I mean, the performance of individual municipalities, and we have established most of the problems, uh, if not all of the problems that have been cited by some of the panelists. And uh, definitely, we are responding with a 10-point play. And uh, the first, the first uh, activity that we are undertaking to to conduct is that one of improving the experience of our people on local government, and that includes improving how we communicate whatever we want to do, what we have done, what we are planning to do, but also taking our people along as we do these things. So we've we, we got a very, very clear plan on how we are going to do this, but also taking advantage of uh, information, uh, uh, communication, or technological systems, innovative systems, that we can use, I mean, to improve our communication with our people. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that space. And coming to issues of training, of course, we are partnering with special institutions, and we have been doing this for quite some time, uh, of course, to look into issues of how do we induct new councillors, but also as they are there in the system, how do we continue to keep them training? But as I've said, you know, this issue of public representatives also, it's not a straightforward issue because, you know, people are not elected on the basis of uh, maybe uh, that they have certain academic qualifications. No. So as we train them to get into the system, we have to take that into consideration. So it's not an easy process. But we are, we are committed to work with SALGA and to work with the, the private sector, more especially institutions that are ready to partner with us to induct and capacitate some of these public
2: representatives. We'll continue with this discussion after the news break. I thought uh, uh, councillors are inducted every time there is, you know, a new house, a new sitting. So uh, maybe it fell flat. I don't know what's going on. But Minister will enlighten us after the break.
0: The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them.
2: And in the spotlight this morning, why do authorities only seem to listen when there is fire? Why do people have to go on violent protest action in order to be heard? And I just want to uh, read through some of the SMSs and tweets that have come through here. Tami says, um a Minister losing the whole point, people aren't asking for more talking. They are asking for you to listen. Um, uh, and Tabi Seng says, if ANC Councillor Gideon... Uh, uh, Chivunya turns out to be a third force behind the school, arson in Vuani. Why will the same not happen elsewhere? And uh, Luamba Malikana says, uh, please ask the minister to name three places where people have protested peacefully and the ANC listened uh, before they started burning things. Uh, Sipo Madiba says, a gap between the rich and poor is growing and people are tired of waiting while those who are politically connected are benefiting. Sane Sihia says, uh, we seem to be running a backlog when it comes to service delivery. Hence, uh, matters only get attention when they are presented in an extreme fashion. And 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 more to the point that the minister was making before the uh, break, um, uh, Vivian Padiachi says elected leaders don't need academic qualifications to adhere to simple holistic values honesty, with integrity and accountability in order to serve the people. But I want to come back to that. Point, minister, because uh, you were talking about how people needed to be trained and inducted, and I want to add to Vivian's point there, where he says you don't need to teach people, you know, how to engage with people respectfully. Um, You know, you would think that they would come with that, but clearly they don't. But also, don't councillors always get training and are inducted in, you know, a proper fashion before they are meant to serve?
4: No, indeed, uh, they, they do get trained. And the point that I'm emphasizing here is that this is, should, of course, this is a commitment that will continue, I mean, to, to uphold. I mean, they, 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 this training is not a once of uh, exercise. It should be an ongoing process. And, uh, of course, how do we relate with people? It's not like something that uh, happens automatically to an individual. People need to be trained on, on, on how to relate to other people but also on issues of leadership and uh, issues of conflict management. So training will remain to be a critical aspect of uh, uh, public representative development. So uh, there's nothing new about that. and uh, We think this is one area that we still need to perfect.
2: And um, whilst I take the point of ongoing training, but what about actually, you know, giving feedback to the communities, being there when the communities need people? Because this notion of, you know, uh, when people are better trained, they will be able to disseminate information better. I don't necessarily buy into that, Minister.
4: And uh, then, 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 then that that's the difference. you don't understand how the systems work because there are documents uh, that need to people need to be taken through in council. There are documents that people need to take decisions on, and there are resolutions that are taken in some of these committees. And some of these things are technically driven. So it's important for I mean people to be properly capacitated, as more especially as representatives of their constituencies. So as when they go back to their constituencies, they are able who, in a simplified fashion, articulate on those resolutions. So it's very important that uh, we have people who are properly capacitated to do that. And there, is, there are issues of translation. Remember, not, not all our people are, I mean, are using English. I mean, and most of our documents currently are in English. So definitely, we, we need to take consideration of such things uh, as we appreciate the magnitude of the challenge. But also, as we address this thing, let's not treat it as if what is this, It's something that is happening with all councillors. No, we are not referring to all councillors. There are cases of good performances that have been recorded by councillors who have been able, I mean, to communicate and liaise with their uh, respective constituencies. So we we should be very, very cautious as we approach this particular discussion because I don't think all councillors can do this. But we are saying in some cases we have this problem. Because of issues of capacity, capacitation of it in individual public representatives.
0: Um, so just before the break, the minister was also talking about how they, you know, did, were looking, did some research to develop the back to basics problem. My problem with the local, with the sphere of local governance, there is so much diagnosis. We are always, it is well documented what the problems are, you know? At what point are we saying that we are not going to duplicate looking, we are just going to develop a plan to actually address it.
2: So what are those well-documented diagnoses?
0: Um, So some of them, you know, issues ranging from issues around funding, issues around low capacity within municipalities, like shortage of staff and those kind of things, the influence of the political sphere in the administrative side and all of that. And on issues of meaningful engagement, organizations such as the Socioeconomic Rights Institute have well-documented the struggles of certain communities there's one that they particularly did one series, it's called Community Practice Notes which the informal settlement series took looked at how communities had been struggling before protests over a sustained period of time. So there's such things are available. So you can see where the gaps are within meaningful engagement and whatnot, whatnot, you know. So for me, it's like, when are we going to get to a point to address it, to address it meaningfully, to actually do something about all these diagnoses that we have? Um, Because nothing that anyone has said here this morning is new. Yeah. Let's just be honest. It's yes. not new. Not at all. And it's been spoken about for quite a long time. And it also concerns me on the issue of capacity, what you were talking about, about, you know, this idea that, you know, training is the solution of everything. I remember there was this whole huge thing about um Municipal managers need to be properly qualified before they're what, what. But we have seen where people are qualified, the municipalities also run down. So this idea that this equals that, there are other factors that aren't being looked at that actually add to that. Tensions within the political parties and undue influences in other ways. And just quite honestly, the... Corruption element as well, you know, service providers and not this. Yeah, so those are the things that often get ignored where there's this idea of the solution to everything is knowing, ensuring that people know. And we have to talk about political deployment as well, you know, what responsibilities when parties are going to deploy you, do they also not have a responsibility to ensure that we are selecting somebody who actually can engage with people? It just alarms me that we think people need to be trained to know how to talk to people. You know, it, it's quite concerning. There's very basic human things that I think we should possess, even if you're not a counsellor, that we would like to see you move forward with if you're an elected representative, you know, basic values. It comes
2: back to the definition of a leader and what a leader is uh, ultimately. Nomfunda, what's your take on all of this?
3: Yes, again, I mean, just to say, I did ask if I could leave at so I'll just give my last... Um impose, um, and, and then unfortunately we'll have to leave. Um, Shikina, and this is exactly what I wanted to talk about, that I think it's, it's encouraging what the minister is saying, that they are beginning to focus on leadership at local level and working uh, with municipalities and leaders of municipalities, and that's a, an, an important shift. But I think what we need to look at, and I agree with Goketso, is what is it that we are doing? And the focus shouldn't just be on giving people um, skills. But for me, we have to be working with the personality, the character, issues of social intelligence, emotional intelligence. That will include issues such as integrity and honesty. Because these are the issues, Mm Shekina, that help leaders to deal with this issue that we we are seeing as one of the key problems at local level, the interface between economics and politics that fuels uh, corruption and that fuels violence. Unless we deal with the ability of leaders to deal with that and not be pulled into this corruption, then we're going to continue to have problems. These issues also help to deal with what Kokezo was saying, to have leaders who are able to, um, you know, in psychology we call um, leaders who have the ability to create a relational home or a holding environment for people's frustrations. Because sometimes leaders, the way in which they respond because of their own personality, emotional intelligence, they fuel the problems so i think the 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 intervention at a local level should not just be on the skills but it should be on the person because as and and just to close uh, with your question that one of the key drivers of good leadership is not just skill but we know that it's issues of emotional intelligence and integrity so let us also begin to invest on those and maybe we can begin to see a shift
2: Nomfunda, thank you so much, and uh, we'll allow you to go there. That was uh, Nomfundo Muhapi, Executive Director at the Centre for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation. And we're asking this morning, why do authorities only seem to listen and respond when there's fire, when things turn violent and we actually see smoke? Uh, so what is that all about? Let's hear from Figile in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina.
6: Thank you guys for taking my call. Sakina, it takes a, a, a cell phone call for people to receive uh, what's called an equal service to a minister. Because, for instance, some of the ministers are, are, I do call, like Nomvulomung uh Ms. Mindue Sisulu, Minister of Police, I do call not only with my cases but with other people's cases. That, for instance, there's a guy called Said is in Fenton, in, and in there's Joyce from Beach Town in uh, Northern Cape. Whenever there's some issues, people that are very much aware of me um, are helping people. I don't care where the matter might be. It, 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 can, it could be Western Cape, it could be nationally. I do call these ministers just to ask them to intervene. They don't ask, them, they don't ask me if what card do I hold. You see that. So it's very good for people to actually inform the ministers. But the, the, those lazy ministers that will ask you to go into your constituency or to inform the councillor before they could help you or to a minister for a sense to be
2: delivered. To members okay. Of the Thank, you. Thank you so much, Figile. Eddie, in the Free State.
4: Yes, I'll, I'll be quick. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Ma'am, I don't support the destruction of property. Um, and that shouldn't be tolerated. But, you know, let me tell you one thing. Imposed leadership is the most poor leadership that one can can, can have. And in most municipalities, you'll find that leadership is imposed from your mayor, councillors, even in administration, even work ward committees, and what do you expect from such people? You know, um, you know even this thing of, uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately the, the guy from Sanko just called, and I want to tell you, Sanko has been captured, and, and to my own understanding, Sanko was supposed to be advocating for civic politics so that people can can, can be, uh, be well represented in the municipalities. Then the last point that I want to, I want to make is that um, you know, communities after elections, they must they must attend council meetings and see how their councillors serve them. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Jojo in Pretoria. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Sekina. Um, um, quickly, uh, I think the problem or the main issue is uh, the idea is that people feel that they can only vote for one party, and when that party doesn't do well, they only have two options: they either they start protesting and banning things or they don't vote because the other day I heard a community saying that they are not going to vote. I mean, what is the meaning of that? If you do not want to, if you, if you do not like a, a government, the only thing you can do is to change that government by going to the ballot boxes and voting for another party. And if that new party doesn't do well, it's not a problem. When the elections come again, you vote for another party. Now, when people feel that they hold allegiance to only one party, and when that party doesn't do well, then they start um, getting angry and do not want to do any other thing. In a civilized society, when a government doesn't do well, people don't really protest that much. They, don't, they just keep quiet, voice their angers, at the ballot boxes. So, when we come to a point in South Africa when we feel that we can only vote for one, uh, we can vote for another party and change government by going to the ballot boxes and changing things by changing government, I think then this protest will continue to go on. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Jojo. Bonagele and Kailicha, good morning. Bonagele?
5: Very good morning. Very good morning, yes, okay? Welcome. Can you hear me, and, uh, and guest, We you know, can hear you. Look, uh, yes, I, I think I agree 100% with Nomfundo with when she mentioned about the good leadership. The good leadership is what is it required, really, honestly speaking. So that, you know, another thing they must try to do, allow the community to elect the people of their own choice. People who know with good leadership. You understand what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say here? Uh, That's a a poor, what is is that, poor, improper consultation, which is done by other people that are just elected by them. Allow the community to elect their own people who know them very well with regard to to, to the leadership skills. That's that's my point. That's my take. And consultation is very important as well. All right, thank you.
2: Thank you so much uh, Bonangele. Let me read some of the messages uh, coming through as uh, well. This one from Kachisho Kachisho says, SK um, an unresponsive, dismissive and unaccountable government that only knows people when they need votes is the cause uh, Fumane the human says A government doesn't listen period they stuff their faces and they say amandla when needed and apartheid when desperate Odiz says uh, ANC government uh, weighs tems faith they always wait for the last bell to ring re- and they never learn from pre- previous experiences. Kualani Sikade says, now the ANC should stop blaming third parties uh, but their own tenderpreneurs who are paying kickbacks after awarding tenders. Soni Netanyane says, no more reproduction of astute negotiators like Nzo, Kuala and Makwetu. Uh, fire has become the only negotiating tool. Uh, Luzuko says, uh, communities are tired of empty promises and the lack of service delivery. Only time you see politics. Is when uh, the elections approach. Makashulekana says, "I hope none of your guests will mention the third force as being behind the burnings." Ramano's contribution is that we need leadership, not populists and opportunists. We have zombieized our and un- under unemployed and desperate persons for our needs, and they quick to point out the good story and ignore the frustrations of the people. And this one from Gobeni says, uh, "Why must issues of restraints be borne by citizens while?" Politicians live a life of luxury. Uh, Are they eating for us, is the question there. Minister?
4: Yeah, look, uh, very quickly, I mean, maybe in an attempt to respond to an avalanche of questions that have been posed, but I I should appreciate the participation of of all. Look, uh, on the issue of uh, perpetual diagnosis, uh, truly speaking, we we have have diagnosed and we have received input from various role players and then we are acting. And as a result of our action, uh, there are improvements in certain areas of municipal performance. We, that range from auditing and also how they use the money, the money allocated for the infrastructure development. And the, all this is through our support. But also we have developed regulations just to make sure that we standardize and bring a, a normal, normal standardization on uh, issues of appointment. And corruption, there, there's been some apprehension. I think we should share, at an appropriate time, we should share statistics of uh, some some of the good work that we have done to combat corrupt, corruption, working with various uh, law enforcement agencies. So I think, truly speaking, there is a lot of progress that we are registering, but the result of the matter is that uh, it's not, we are not going to claim easy victory here, uh, uh, Fatima. We still have a long way to go to get the system to a place where we think, I mean, everyone can take advantage of, you know.
2: Edward Temba sends a tweet and, um, with pictures, says, tell the minister Bushbuck Ridge is on fire as we speak right now. So uh, talking about more protests. But Koketsa, what's your take on some of the
0: contributions this morning? One of the things also that I, I often gets excluded is the role of local government officials in actually turning service delivery protests. So an example I would use is in Lomanyaneng, Lomanyaneng in the northwest. There was an incident that during a peaceful march, what happened was the mayor didn't come to receive the people's memorandum. And it was at that point that the sparks went out and then there's also issues around just the presence of police what it does to people um how it can change the mood of the protest and all of that so for me there's also issues around one you're not meaningfully engaging with people you incentivize the burning but then also your response fuels it you know so there's a couple of things that are going on there as well that it's just alarming that we are not making any effort to address these.
2: Okay, let me get Minister to respond to that when you say there are no efforts being made to address these concerns. Minister?
4: Not not at all, uh, Sakina. I I hope people are very specific here because this issue of generalization is not helping us to address the real problems. But the real problem is that we have systems that are in place in each and every municipality to manage complaints as they emerge from uh, their constituencies. So it can be correct that all these issues, just because now they are in the media, I mean, are not attended proper. Could, could we please get, get, take some time and appreciate the work that is done by municipalities in terms of dealing with complaints as registered by people? Let's cite an example. Just again, there was an outcry about the billing system in Jobet. Where are we now? Can't we appreciate that that has went out? You know, have, I mean, the complaints that have, that have been uh, that uh, were received by the Job municipality have been dealt with because of the systems that are in place there to deal with. Uh, such complaints and there are so many mechanisms that are in place in various municipalities it's not true that the government will only respond when there are fires no the result of the matter is that as cited what is happening for a fire to be there there are so many reasons you know and it can only be attributed to a government that is not listening i don't think that is correct and the generalization is not helping us to zoom into the real problem here
0: Minister, as I said earlier, right, to acknowledge the, very, the lived experience of some people is not to dismiss the other areas that could be going well. And I also want to point out that some of the examples that we use, right, like issues around complaint systems and whatnot, whatnot, we see them being rolled out in municipalities, but how they work or where they are functional, there's infrastructure issues. So we often cite the big metros, the urban areas and whatnot, you know, but there's are those same systems working actually elsewhere in your smaller municipalities. Do you know what I mean? I mean, your most basic, you know, so there's, yeah, so I think it's a bit when you say you can't generalize, but then you use an example—a like general a sit-
2: example of yourself, Minister.
0: Yeah, and even to use the city of Johannesburg.
2: I was very
4: specific there. I mentioned Joburg. What yes, know about no, no, <laughs> no. When
2: you talk about good stories to tell and things going well in in most areas, you no, are no, no, generalizing no, no, no. Please, as well. Please, please,
0: but also your specific your specific example of Johannesburg from, from a infrastructure I, I, just, I think, and many other perspective. Joburg is not a city that you can compared to many other municipalities in this country, even in terms of budget, even in terms of, you know, many other factors. So I think, yeah, it is also just a bit... I I, I think
4: maybe we should be giving time to give this example of all the two hundred and eighty-seven municipalities. Just for you to see that there are functional municipalities that are doing well, cutting across all categories of municipalities, from category A up to the last category, category C. But there are also municipalities that are on the brink of not functioning well, but there are those who are not functioning well. So we can't apply, uh, I mean, a one-size-fits-all approach. Let's let's be realistic. Especially if we are committed to assist. and I appreciate your input, but I I will I will be a bit objective. Don't generalise. I mean, when you make submission on this matter,
2: it's not helpful.
4: But I think at an appropriate time, Sakina. Give us time to give an account of each and every municipality. So okay. That will take us Le-
2: Let's uh, Let's look at Bushbuck Ridge at the moment. Bushbuck Ridge has been having issues for years as well. They've been talking about water. They've burned tankers. All sorts of issues. What is the response to Bushbuck Ridge? What is going well there and what is not working well?
4: No, look, look I don't have the specific response to how issues are handled in Bushbuck Ridge. But as you know, we have great teams that we have deployed in all the provinces of our country as, as Cogta. To make sure that we support municipalities. That's why on infrastructure, as we are speaking now, municipalities, most of the municipalities have, have improved on how they spend their allocation, but they also have improved on how they effectively realize value for money for their allocation. It's all because we have established agents as our response to apply of a, of, a, of a capacity deficiency that was there in most municipalities. And this is working, and this is a, a collaborative effort. Where we are roping in our affected department to work with us as we address some of these challenges.
2: Well, thank you so much, uh, Minister Des Van Ruen. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for this morning. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, uh, Kuketso Moeti from uh, Local Government Action uh, Group. Uh, she's the National Coordinator. And, of course, many, many, many more messages coming through, um, you know, uh, talking about this particular matter. We'll put them up on our website. And the question here is, What are we going to change going forward? How are we going to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore? How do we disincentivize uh, the burning and the looting and the destruction of property? Property that, by the way, you and I have to pay for again. But then again... If people are not going to listen, if we're going to be defensive about stories, then I don't know how we actually move forward and fix this. We'll speak again tomorrow. We'll be coming to you live from the Eastern Cape from Fort Hare at their centenary celebrations, headed there later this afternoon. So uh, we'll be bringing you that. In the meantime, you take care and we'll be back with you again tomorrow morning between 6 and 9 a.m. Right now, news coming up with Kumbuzile Tabete.